At the Commonwealth Policy Foundation, we try to approach the issues of life, marriage, religious liberty, and fiscal integrity from a biblical perspective that promotes thoughtfulness and kindness. We work with political leaders and concerned citizens from all across the state. To stay informed, visit CommonwealthMatters.org and sign up for our e-newsletter. The Commonwealth Policy Foundation is a nonprofit organization that only exists because of friends like you. Thanks for tuning in to the Commonwealth Matters. Welcome to the Commonwealth Matters. I'm Richard Nelson, Executive Director of the Commonwealth Policy Center. How many times have you heard that we as Americans take our freedom for granted? Today we have a special guest, Wai Yao, who spent her early life in communist China. She went on to study in Japan and earned a PhD. She eventually went on to work as a research scientist, regulatory affairs director, and certified quality auditor in the United States. Yao, that is quite a resume. Welcome to the Commonwealth Matters. Thank you, Richard. Hey, I appreciate you uh, taking time out of your schedule to meet with us uh, We got connected from a mutual friend, a couple of mutual friends, who heard you speak to a a group of women, conservative women, over in far west Kentucky, and they were so impressed by what you had to share with them that uh, they told me, Richard, you need to have Yao on your program to talk about communism and freedom, and China in particular, and uh, that is your Homeland, you were born in China, and you got to experience uh, communism in a way that most of us just, we read about uh, in newspapers or online or see stories on the TV news, but you got to experience it, and I thought, you know what, it's good to talk with somebody who has actually experienced it and had their family experience it. Um Yao, you were a young girl growing up in communist China during the Great Cultural Revolution. And for the listeners who aren't familiar with that, that's when Mao Zedong, one of the most ruthless leaders of the 20th century, he uh, he went after anyone who might be viewed as opposing communist rule. He went after authors, academics, those who had wealth, anybody that could be viewed as a threat. And Yao, you and your family were alive during the Great Cultural Revolution. Tell us, uh, tell us a little bit about that. Well. Um... I was born uh, a little bit before the Great Cultural Revolution. Um, when I was six years old, just uh, second week heading to school, my father got my father committed suicide. Actually, mm-hmm. uh, under the heavy pressure uh, from the regime, so that was <laughs> the the moment I lost my family. My loved father, so that was a very, very heavy pressure. I'm so sorry to hear that. I can't imagine as a young girl losing your father, but it wasn't until later that you learned that it was because of the political pressure, because of your father was viewed as somebody who may be a threat to the communist state. And uh, how how did that? Um, wh- what were some of your other recollections of that time when you lost your father? Um, the things that were maybe you saw that were just not right as a as a young child, so, and maybe it took a while for you to look back at those years to really understand what was happening. Can you tell us any of other things that were going on at that time? Oh yeah, I mean, 
even I was six years old, I heard uh, people dying like, every day. Um, how should I say the tank, the, the footprint of tank, you can see from like outside of my house, not far. And some people just, just killed in, at night. So uh, the ending of violent or of the movement was like crazy. I mean, so it's not safe every, it's not safe to live there. And uh, my father was just one of them. So everyone like scared what's gonna happen. And I know my dad uh, like went to the, the class, integration class like every, every night. And uh, he was not happy, but I didn't know why. And until uh, like later, I know because of, you know, uh, my grandfather's reason, not because my father didn't, uh, you know, like confess early enough say you know uh, my grandfather was a landlord and so they they, they got him and just <laughs> so so your family if i could just recap trying to understand here your grandfather was a landlord so your family had some wealth uh and and your father was interrogated by the communist authorities what what did they suspect of him what what, what were they concerned about what, why was he being targeted because the I mean, in the communist society, uh, you are a private property owner, you are a criminal, that's equal. So, I mean, my father was just a professor, so nothing really significant, but my, his father, my grandfather was a kind of like landlord on some lands and, and, but I mean, by that time, my, my grandfather was already passed away. So, I mean, nothing to do with, you know, in the past and there was no land my family owned at that time. Still, it was a criminal. So they dug out the historical record and made a big pressure on him. Yeah, I'm so sorry. So sorry and can't imagine. Um, there was a story in the Washington Post a couple years ago talking about the Cultural Revolution and Mao Zedong's rule in particular and it starts out by saying, if you think of the worst tyrants of the 20th century, usually you think of Hitler or Stalin. But the story went on to say this, but both Hitler and Stalin were outdone by Mao Zedong. From 1958 to 1962, his Great Leap Forward policy led to the deaths of up to 45 million people, easily making it the biggest episode of mass murder ever recorded. The story goes on to say this, historian Frank DeCotter, author of the important book Mao's Great Famine, recently published an article in History Today, and he summarized what happens. This is what he said. Mao thought that he could catapult his country past its competitors by herding villagers across the country into giant people's communes. In pursuit of a utopian paradise, everything was collectivized. People had their work, homes, lands, belongings, and livelihoods taken from them. In collective canteens, food distributed by the spoonful, according to merit, became a weapon used to force people to follow the party's every dictate. As incentives to work were removed, coercion and violence were used instead to compel famished farmers to perform labor on poorly planned irrigation projects while fields were neglected. And, of course, uh, 
uh, he says that a catastrophe of gargantuan proportions ensued, and it eventually led to the deaths of some 45 million people. Now, this was his collectivization plan, uh, but the great society, the, the, the Cultural Revolution, really was uprooting any possible threat to China's authority and China's uh, rule. How just Yao? Tell us how you left China. How did you? How did you end up leaving? Oh, that was after Great Cultural Revolution. Great Cultural Revolution was from 1966 to 1976. That was ten years, and then after that, Mao died, and then. Mao died first, actually. Mao died, and then Great Cultural Revolution end, and then they start to uh, like open colleges, universities for young uh, students. So I was lucky getting to college, and then after college, I went to Japan. Okay. So at that time, the I mean, the country was kind of open, so open to you know you can go out to foreign uh, countries to study, but. Not not very long after I went to Japan, there was a Tiananmen Square um, massacre. You know the the, the June Fourth, nineteen eighty nine, uh, Tiananmen Square, which is I was just uh, I was a sophomore in college when that happened, and that's when I really uh, the the tyranny of communism really gripped me. I'll I'll never forget Yao. That image of the young Chinese college student with the Declaration of Independence in front of his hand, standing in front of that tank. The tanks were rolling into Tiananmen Square, trying to break up the protesters. And many of those college students uh, were reciting phrases from the Declaration. There was a uh, a replica of the Statue of Liberty. They were espousing American ideals. They wanted free speech. They wanted the ability to think freely. They were they were looking for the things that we had here in America. And I'll never forget it, uh, that young, brave, college-age man that was standing in front of the tank. The tank would try to go around him. He'd move over a few steps to stand in front of it. Tank would try to go around the other way. He'd move over a few steps in the other direction. And he held that Declaration of Independence up in front of that tank, these young people, there were thousands there, stood for something bigger than themselves. They understood what it was like to live under a communist regime. They understood what it was like to not have freedom. And I will never forget that image, though, of, that, of, of the students there and of that one man in particular um, standing in front of that tank. Of course, the cords were plugged just days, a few days after that. The cords were unplugged. They cut the literally cut the wires for the TV and radio transmissions. They kicked out the reporters, and then the massacre happened. By the way, the Chinese government has banned that date. If you were to do a Google search of the date of Tiananmen Square, or if you were to type in Tiananmen Square massacre, or anything that could be remotely related to Tiananmen Square the Chinese government has whitewashed that history. There are generations, there's at least a generation or two of Chinese that have never heard of it. And if they wanted to research it, they couldn't find it because that has been whitewashed from its history. Uh, yeah, what do you remember being, uh, as when you're just starting your PhD program, what do you remember about Tiananmen? Well, I uh, learned everything from Japan's TV program 
So I thought if I I wasn't in Japan, I must be in the somewhere in China as one of the students, and I could be killed or in jail. So it won't be me today. So it's 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 really shocking, and and I remember that every day. I mean, the during that movement. So did you have friends that were there at Tiananmen Square? Did you know anybody that was there? Um, not very close friend, but I know somebody. It was scary, and after that, even like mothers, they lost their sons or their their daughter went missing. They cannot report to like missing person or something. They just swallow that whatever pain. What would have happened if they would would have reported that their son or daughter was missing? Well, p- police will arrest you and take out what's what's wrong with your family and and could <laughs> make you more trouble, bigger trouble. So just by virtue of being a family member, you could be in trouble with the government exactly. if if one of your a child was protesting. Right. Is that what made you want to leave China? Your dad was under political pressure. He was being interrogated from the Chinese、uh, authorities, and、uh, is that what led you to want to leave China? That's one of the reason. You know, I, I yeah, I I couldn't imagine having to leave my country、um, because of political oppression. And some people would say, okay, that's China,、uh, but we really shouldn't have to worry about that here. Yeah, this is the United States of America. After all, we we're a different country, and we well, that'll never happen in this country. And now we're going to take a quick break. But when we come back, I'd like you to share some of your observations of what you've seen here, because you've been in the United States for several years.、I'd、like you to compare what、uh, what you're seeing today with what you saw in communist China. If you're just joining us, you're listening to the Commonwealth Matters. We're going to take a break, and we'll be back in just a moment. Hi, Richard Nelson here with the Commonwealth Policy Center. It's clear that we're living in confusing and challenging times, where law and culture are increasingly hostile to Christian values. So, how do you maintain your faith and convictions? That's a question that we're helping to answer at our Christianity and Culture conferences. The goal is to help believers to understand the culture and how to respond in an effective and winsome way. And we'd love for you to join us. The first two were well received, and we look forward to seeing you at our fall conferences in Bowling Green, Paducah, and in Somerset. To find out more, go to CommonwealthPolicyCenter.org. That's CommonwealthPolicyCenter.org, and we look forward to seeing you there. Welcome back to the Commonwealth Matters. I'm Richard Nelson, Executive Director of the Commonwealth Policy Center, here with Wei Yao, a, uh, a native from China who. Has since left the country, and Yao recently spoke to a group of、uh, women in Far West Kentucky about freedom and about what she experienced under、uh, Chinese communist rule. And Yao, your story was so compelling to these women that a couple of them talked to me and said, "Richard, you need to have Yao on the Commonwealth Matters." And of course, I reached out to you and got to know you a little bit, hear your story, and、uh, here you are. And I. <laughs> I appreciate you taking time out of your schedule to、uh, to, to join us. But Yao,、um, you had written a couple of years ago. You wrote to President Donald Trump on the White House website, and you said this: "Stop calling Xi Jinping a friend." And that was pretty bold for you to get out there and to tell President Trump to, you know, giving him a and telling him what he should do with. 
uh, Jinping, uh, or Jiping, I'm sorry. Um, yeah. So why did you feel so strongly about that and to give him your peace of mind as to what his relation and our relation in the United States should be to, to the president of China? I think Xi Jinping is just uh, like same, similar, another second Mao Zedong in China. So, I mean, mm. it's it's completely a different, how should I say, kind of human being like compared to uh, Donald Trump. So, I mean, they cannot be friends. If they can be friend, then I mean, <laughs> then I mean, I, I'm I don't think they will be good for the people in these two countries. So, how can you compare President of China with Mao Zedong? I, I mean, is he is he collectivizing things? Yes, uh, he is. Tell us more. What is what is it like under Xi Jinping right now? You know, uh, he encourages some like a forced organ harvest to Falun Gong believers. You know, that's still going on. So wait, so he's persecuting a religious minority and he's harvesting their organs? He's not harvesting himself, but I mean, he encouraged, he didn't stop that kind of... So this is a policy you're saying that's taking place under his leadership? Yeah, under his uh, leadership. It's still ongoing right now. And the genocide against the uh, Uyghur Muslims, you know, it's still ongoing and, and... I mean, despite they, they denied it or whatever, it's the fact, right? And more, he broke the agreement of 50-year Hong Kong's autonomy and, and cracked down on the uh, protests in the year of 23rd. He, he couldn't wait for these 50 years to be end and, and did that, right? That's everyone knows. And also he used like diploma economy and military tools to bully Taiwan like every day. He never gives up the dream to swallow Taiwan someday. It's mm-hmm. it's it becomes like more and more urgent for him. So I mean, I don't think he's any like, a good leader for this country. So you'd mentioned I want to go back to a couple of the examples of tyranny under President Zhao. Uh, uh, so the the Uyghurs are a minority. They're they're an ethnic and a religious minority in China. They, they have Muslim beliefs. They're an ethnic group as well. Uh, and what, what is their threat against the Chinese government? Why is uh, President Jinping uh, against them? What, what, what have they done? He's afraid of, he talked in many uh, situations, many meetings or whatever writings. He's afraid of, he's warning people not go after Soviet Union. You know, uh, many countries uh, independent at, at the end of Soviet Union uh, time, right? Because, of the, because they had so many like minority, um, you know, portion of these countries. So everyone wants to be independent. He, he's afraid of, Xi Jinping's afraid of you, uh, Uyghur Muslims can do the same and, you know, it's it's a bad for CCP's ruling. So, so the, this minority ethnic group, religious group, is a threat because they are not uh, perhaps because they have a higher allegiance. I mean, these are Muslims and they believe in Allah. And uh, is that viewed as a threat? I mean, is that what they're not following line that the government? I mean, because look, because in communist China, the government is the highest authority. Is that correct? Correct. Not highest, the, the complete. complete. They, are, they are only 
And that's the definition of totalitarianism, isn't it? Where the the government there is only one view, a total view that's allowed, and that is that the government is the complete authority, whether it's in your thought, your intellectual life, or your religious life, your spiritual life, or in other areas, uh, your economic life. Right? Uh, the government there's a totalitarian view that the government is the end all and be all. And if you go against the grain of that thinking, if you oppose it or have even viewed it as a threat, uh, the government will come after you. Uh, Hong Kong, uh, we saw what was once considered a free administrative state. Hong Kong in China for years has done very well with democratic ideals. They've had freedom of speech. They've had free elections, freedom of religion. Uh, And yet uh, China... Uh, the Chinese government, communist Chinese, uh, have uh, infiltrated and uh, essentially Hong Kong does not have freedom. Um, This stemmed from a a year or two ago, a couple years ago, I guess, where the the Chinese authorities wanted people of interest to be extradited without due process in Hong Kong. Hong Kongers opposed it. They fought against it. Their legislative leaders fought against it, and yet China uh, prevailed. The, the, the mainland Chinese communists prevailed, and Hong Kong is no longer free. Is, does that correctly encapsulate what, what's happening there? Correct. Hong Kong become like one of the big city in China. It's just no difference anymore. That's mm-hmm. the fact. And I want to add more. Uh, the Uyghur Muslims is just one of the a minority in China got like that kind of treatment. Also, you know, Tibet, right? Mm-hmm. Also, Mongolia. In the Mongo- Mongolia, they also, I mean, not because they have their own like religion. Also, they have their own culture, their language. Those are all to be wiped out by CCP, if not already. Um, is there any hope for Hong Kong, for the Hong Kongers? I know they have a spirit of freedom and liberty, Yao. They, they've prospered and they've done very, very well under their own, because essentially Hong Kong was an administrative state, and they've been very successful living apart from the rule of communist China. But is there any hope for those Hong Kongers to regain some of that freedom, some of their liberty that they had before? Well, <laughs> until CCP is gone, I don't see really any hope. When you say CCP, of course, you're referring to the Chinese Communist Party, which they, again, they are the ones in control. They're the ones that rule. Is there a chance of the Chinese Communist Party going away? I mean, could the people in China feel the weight of oppression on them to the point where they say, no, we want freedom. We would like to have democratic rule. We want to have freedom of speech. We want to have freedom of religion. Uh, is there a chance for the people to say, no, we, we, we do not accept this form of government anymore? How should I say? I mean, everyone knows in their heart, at the bottom of their hearts, they want the freedom. They know, I mean, they don't have that freedom they wanted, but how you can get rid of CCP, I mean, it's very a difficult thing because, you know, <laughs> you have like brainwashed, first of all, from like beginning of your life and everything controlled. It's very broad and complete system, systematic 
that kind of control for everyone living in China. So it's it's very hard for Chinese people to, you know, just we, we want freedom and we don't want CCP and the, the sky just turned the color. No, it's not that easy. So what have you seen happening in this country? You have become willing to speak out on things that you see happening in this country. Are you seeing things here in the United States of America that concern you that would compromise our freedom and our rights here? Yes, a lot. Um, presidential election, that's, the, that's a very big thing here, the, the rights here. And that's not anywhere in China. No such thing as like election mm-hmm. from every people, every citizen. And, and now it's like in a big shake now, right, in the United States. So this is a big danger. And also the media, mm-hmm. the U.S. American media shut down the voice of whoever want to question that election or citizens' rights, right? Mm-hmm. So and that's also <laughs> the media. Media is like more uh, acting like a propaganda tool, not a, like media. China has no no real media because you know they don't they don't tell the fact truth in the media. So it's not a, a real media. And also the Black Lives Matter and Antifa, they doing a whole lot like violence in in the streets or. That's what, I mean, when I saw this kind of thing in TV or YouTube or somewhere, I just saw the Red Guards came back. So that's what I saw in Great Cultural Revolution. So I think it's very bad uh, to United States. Thank you. So, So in this country, I would say there's an ideology that is becoming totalitarian. It's a far left ideology. Uh, it's not through the force of government for the for the most part, because you have media institutions in this country that are free, uh, but many of them lean far to the left. And as you mentioned, they have a narrative that uh, is is biased. Uh, but there's an ideology, whether it's in the media, uh, many of our other institutions as well is is far left. Um, how about cancel culture? Is this something that would you say that precedes communism? canceling out of different viewpoints, marginalizing of different viewpoints. Yeah, cancel culture is a light term in China. China is just forbidden a whole lot of things, like religion. You know what? how they treat the religions in China. Give a, name, uh, give a new word called sinicize. Have you heard of that? Sinicize means you take whatever religion, Islam, Christianity, or Buddhist. Before you worship God, you have mm-hmm. to endorse CCP and endorse socialism. So they forced those church or temple or whatever, you have to put Mao Zedong and Xi Jinping's portrait mm. with it. So, so they are now doing that. Wow. So that, and for Christians, that would be idolatry for you to worship or show higher allegiance to any political leader or party above Jesus. That would be an idolatry. So very different than what we experience here as far as religious freedom, because do not have it under communist rule. Wai Yao, thank you for joining us. We are out of time. This is this has been a really good discussion. I appreciate you joining us. Keep up your voice for freedom. Keep telling us as Americans how precious our freedom is. And perhaps we can have you on again sometime. Okay, thank you.